You've tuned into another episode of Radio Free HPC, the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and a variety of high-tech topics. I'm Dan Olds from Intersect 360 Research, joined as always by my co-hosts, Henry Newman of Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and our near-millennial standout, Jesse Lanham. In association with our media partner, HPC Wire, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another scintillating edition of Radio Free HPC. We got the whole crew here today. We have Jesse firmly ensconced back home in West Lafayette, Indiana. How's it going, Jesse? I am doing well. How are you, Dan? I'm okay. You happy uh, to be home from your trip to Cali? Yeah. Yeah. Good to be back home. Good to be back in, you know, your own house. And vacation is fun, but I like always coming home. Back in the frigid temperatures. Good it's deal. It's actually quite nice now, so. We missed the, the tail end of the frigidity. We'll see what happens. Speaking of quite nice, which I don't think anyone's ever said about Henry Newman before, we now bring him into the conversation straight live from his survivalist compound in Las Cruces, New Mexico. How you doing, Henry? I'm doing most excellent, Dan. Excellent to hear. And we're going to talk about a company that our own Henry Newman was early on. And that is GraphCore. And they just introduced their new Bow IPU, as they say, the world's first 3D wafer on wafer processor. So we've got some wafer on wafer crime happening here. And the result is pretty sporty. You want to tell us a little bit about it, Henry? Well, I mean, the whole, let's take a step back, Dan. I think the let's thing take a, Let's take at least about. one step back. Let's take two steps back. Graph problems are different than computational problems in many respects because you're trying to understand relationships between things. So take, for example, the relationship between a self-driving car and ice and accidents and people and things like that. So you're looking for relationships between various events, people, whatever. And it's different in terms of what, you know, you don't need 64-bit floating point to do that. So I think it's important to consider that, you know, in terms of the of the problem domain that they're trying to solve. And it's a good thing. I, I really think that having these kinds of technologies, as I've said, application specific technologies, I think that's a really good thing. And I think that's the way the world's going. The typical graph problem I've always thought about was presented like, like the Facebook problem of going down everybody's likes, dislikes, relationships, primary relationships, tertiary relationships, things like that, and then pulling it all back into a neatly packaged set of data that you can figure out what these relationships are that exposes them all. Is that the right way to think about it? Well, I'd add to that is, well, all they constantly present you with Oh, do you want to connect with this person? And there's an occasional, you know, my wife said, oh, that's someone I went to high school with. And there's no relationship between that. So, I mean, that's kinds, the kinds no, I'm saying of things. If, that, if you were not what Facebook does, I'm saying if you were to search something like Facebook, that's all about relationships. Right. I mean, if you were going to try and trick out what those relationships really are and if there are additional relationships that should be there. 
that would find right. your wife and her high school pal. Exactly. I'm in total agreement with you, Dan. Pretty computationally intense, though. But different kinds of computation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, Monte Carlo, for instance. It's, it's, I don't, wouldn't think it was very paralyzable as well, is it? It isn't. Uh, I think, oh, there is because you can decompose the problem. There are people who have decomposed graph problems. So, yes, it is paralyzable, but it's not paralyzable in the same way, you know, you decompose like a weather model. It's a different way to decompose things. Interesting stuff. And I recently did a HPC AI on Wall Street event, and the North America GM for GraphCore was speaking. And for the right problems, and he was talking about a probabilistic model for alpha estimation in finance, uh, 16x better than GPUs. Right, because they have different instructions. Yes, I, they, that that are are needed to do the problem, and if you have the right instructions to develop that, it doesn't surprise me. Yet it's not a completely different programming paradigm. It's according to them not hard to to uh, build models that will run on their system. Right, they got the tools, TensorFlow, PyTorch, that sort of stuff. Exactly, and graph problems are becoming you know. You know, before graph problems were really hard because everybody was doing 64-bit floating point. But as we've moved away from that kind of model, 64 and 32-bit floating point, it's become a lot easier to solve these kinds of problems. And I think we're going to see more and more, as I've said, for a number of years, application-specific programming situations. Mm. Why is that the Jesse, case, Henry? What? Yeah, why is that the case, Henry? Purely because it's easier now. And it was so hard to develop it. And with risk five, it's going to be even easier. What facilitates that easiness? Like, that's the part I'm not understanding. Because they're, they have these cores that are already built that have the instructions you need. You can just build your cores up as you need them. Okay. Well, it's a serious chip. 1,400 independent processing cores, almost a gigabyte of memory on the chip, and some serious throughput. Slide says 65 terabytes a second of memory bandwidth. I'm thinking that might be terabits. I would think it would be terabits. Yeah. But one of these things is good for 350 teraflops of AI compute, which is reduced precision. Sort of like a Jensen right. flop, as I used to call them. <laughs> but again, a 40-point operation a second makes no sense. What do you mean it makes no sense? For graph problems, you don't need oh, you need points. for double precision. No, you don't. Yeah, yeah, you don't need float either, right? Right. I mean, this is int stuff, isn't it? Exactly. It's int okay. and other things. Okay. Well, good luck with that. I like to see more and more competition when it comes to these things, and I think that there is a balancing point, though, to where things can become over-specialized and they turn into silos, and silos are bad. Silos are bad. Yes. So, Jesse, did you find you found some news out there, didn't you? Yes. It's, and this is kind of a kind of a grab bag show. Oh, are we, are we doing catch of the week? Or are we doing the, the no, grab bag it's, right now? It should be a catch of the week, but we're going to go ahead and promote it to a full fledged story because there's just not a whole lot out there besides what we just talked about. 
Yes. So in addition to GraphCore, as we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about, I proposed the fact that we just talk about the wild and wacky things happening in the HPC community, which includes jazz, melting diamonds, and a very interestingly named quantum startup that I don't am give, a fan of. Yeah, don't give away, don't give away the story yet. Start well, with it, jazz. We'll start, yeah, that's what we'll come back. We'll start with jazz. So Penn we'll State back Supercomputing is doing research on jazz improvisation, which is not something yeah. I ever thought I would read. But apparently there is something Apparently called- they got so bored and figured I out know. that all the science has been solved. So let's go ahead and do this. But there is something called the Weimar Jazz Database, which I did not know existed. And no I thought what's, in the, what's, in the, what's in the database? Uh, compositions and improvisations from renowned musicians, like Miles Davis, for instance. Probably note-by-note note representations. Most likely. And I'm still trying to figure out what exactly this research looked at, besides the fact that we think improvisation is random, but it's not. And I think that might be the uh, the summary there. Well, yeah, they kind of give it all up in the summary that basically what they found is that jazz solos start simple and then get more complex and they're not random. I guess my big takeaway was der. So anyway, that's happening by that. <laughs> in the great HPC world. Also along these lines of well, fun hold things on. happening. Well, we haven't dissected. We haven't dissected this yet. Oh, there's more. No, what I just want to make fun of it a little bit here. more. Because oh, well, see, some people if might all find the this science is solved, entertaining. And I wonder if we need to have. I mean, if I were the dictator, I would send a team out to take away that supercomputer because you obviously don't need it if you can't come up with something better to do. Now, I say that as a guy that's tolerant and accepting of all things, except jazz. I hate jazz. jazz. The jazzier, the more I hate it. Yes. Dan, we're going to have to disagree with this. I'm just not for me. I'm not participating if you hate jazz. You don't like jazz either, Henry. I love jazz, Dan. I used you to hate go jazz. to jazz clubs all the time. Incorrect, that was just Dan. to pick up girls. No, I went with my wife, either. Dan. Went with my wife, Dan. <sighs> okay, look, if you're Let's from Penn State to... and you worked on this and you want to be on the show to discuss this and to, uh, to, yeah, to, to whack Dan up on the head with whatever saxophone you have in hand, please let us know. I'm hoping it's something sax. bigger. No, I'm thinking tuba. Yeah, perfect. In jazz? Well, Yes, the tuba, key player in jazz music. Or a big bass. We could whack You're thinking of John Philip Sousa's jazz, renowned <laughs> in that area. No, I'm thinking let's of Let's get on to melting diamonds. Yeah, let's yeah, go with melting diamonds. So did you ever wonder if diamonds melt? They will. Sandia found out, and it turns out that you'll need something like 12 megabars of atmospheric pressure and I don't know what might have 12 megabars of atmospheric pressure. Maybe Jupiter? Venus. Maybe? No, and it's got to it be. Needs, it needs to be 8,500 degrees Fahrenheit, which is pretty warm. That's like driving out of Vegas in August. But yeah, I have no idea what the comparison is for 12 megabars of atmospheric pressure. 12 megabars? Is it megabars or? It's megabars. 12. Now, it's not Jupiter. That's, Jupiter's way below that, 12 
My bed is Venus. Okay Nothing survives Venus. I don't think there's I don't think there's anything planetary that has that. I mean, this is off that scale. Now they it didn't actually do it. Yeah, they simulated the it. Well, I think it's time for the in-person tests. Well, trying to think of how you'd get up to 12 megabars of atmospheric pressure, much less, I think you can get to the 8,500 degrees Fahrenheit. I think you can get to and, that. Yeah, you can get to that, but 12 megabars is a lot. Is, well, hell, what has it, 12 megabars? It's less, mega, less pressure than that to make the damn diamond. Yeah, but... Yeah, I didn't thought about that. <laughs> you can you can be churning out diamonds right and left with a fraction of that pressure. Are we sure about that, Dan? I'm pretty sure. See, this is the part of the show I like is when we're furiously Googling up stuff on the fly. In the background, yes. We're pros, listeners. Absolute pros. Yeah. Yeah, it's the preparation. Okay, here it is. Uh, to make a diamond, 725,000 pounds per square inch. And you only need temperatures of 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. That's not so bad. <laughs> That's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a couple asteroids, you know, high-impact asteroids or something like that. Yeah, doable. <laughs> I mean, a megabar, what's a kip per square inch? Yeah. See, that's the problem. It's megabar is a lot. Yeah, that's a lot more th than that. That's interesting. Okay, okay that here it is right here, actually. A megabar is equal to 14 million pounds per square inch. Wow. So a megabar, you need 725,000 pounds per square inch to make a diamond. You need, what did I just say, 14 million pounds to take one apart per square inch. Wow. So that's a little bit bigger deal to take one apart. Yeah. Which tells me diamonds, pretty durable. As they say, they're forever. Yes. So that's our takeaway from this part of the show. Diamonds, durable. Hard to take them apart. We're the best podcast when it comes to innovative facts. That's why we are the leaders in the HPC podcast Absolutely. game. Absolutely. You don't hear Addison and Tiffany talking about this kind of stuff, not in the kind of depth <laughs> with the kind of authority that we deliver. <laughs> What's next in our grab bag? And uh, last up is what I thought was a nice candle company that you sell from Target, but turns out <laughs> to actually be a quantum computing startup, Alice and Bob. Which, uh, honestly, the more it's I'm not, familiar with, the more I'm interested in. You're loving this. Oh, it's I not really a line am. from Mar It's not a line, a line of goods from Martha Stewart. It's French. Okay. <laughs> it should be a coffee company. Here at Alice and Bob, we put together coffee that we'd like to buy. The homespun, <laughs> homemade brewing and roasting that gives us something special. So why don't you come in and grab a bag of Alice and Bob French roast? And it is a French roast because they are a Parisian quantum computing company. And while I don't know this for sure, I couldn't tell from the website, I'm going to bet that Wednesdays are dress as your favorite mime day around Alice and Bob's. I am about ready. In an alternate universe, I would have just dropped everything and moved to France to work for this startup. You get out the turtle, the, the black turtleneck and the beret. Absolutely, I would. And they do have a icon of what is assumed to be well, it is Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, it's as Schrodinger's their logo. Cat. 
the little black cat and it has these cute eyes and their website is um, fantastic. And I say fantastic because most of these startups, their websites are a bungle of who put this together. And uh, they actually explain stuff quite well on here. It concerns me that their website is like this because it makes me wonder how much time all these folks spent on the website. Well, now, so they did I, just I, get I the reasoner you, in the news. Yeah. I bet you that they just hired somebody, did it right. And they have one person that does that sort of HR stuff. Because, you know, if you look good, you can raise more money, theoretically. Well, they did get $30 million Yes, they did. From some VCs just now. And in the quantum world, that's not a lot of money. It's because, not. No, I mean, the quantum at this point is an expensive game to get into because they're having to deal with all the air issues and what people are doing with magnets and temperature yep. and other things to deal with them. There's a lot of physical engineering that goes into this, and that really costs money. Now, in this article, and Jesse, since you're such a big fan, I'm going to propose a little proposition bet for you. They say they're going to have products ready in 2023. I'm going to bet they've got nothing ready in 2023, except <laughs> perhaps a new website. Oh, you know, the absolute optimist in me wants to say, no, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, we'll have something. And then the crushing cynic, which is 98% of me, is like, no, I'm just going to stare at a beautiful website in 2023. But okay, we failed yeah. to say why we're covering them, though, after all of this. Well, the 30, they rose, they, they raised 30 million. Yes, but the other thing that they actually did do was they were able to create the ability to resist bit flips in their startup for, for quantum stuff, which is something that I guess only Google and Amazon have done before. So they have. Done so they're something. right squarely in composition with Google and Amazon. Potentially. For the technical high ground. <laughs> okay. Okay. They have done stuff. We're not just saying they're cute. In addition to being cute, you know, they can resist. They're bit whimsical. Flips. Whimsical is all hell. Yes. I have never seen a more whimsical quantum computing company. And that and includes D-Wave under the tutelage of guidance to, uh, of Bowie Wald. It's true. But that resistant to the bit flipping capacity that they were talking about, it moved quite significantly. So originally the record was from a few milliseconds. And this startup has claimed that they can push that to two minutes. Which is a big, if they that's really a lot can do of time, that, actually. Yeah, if they really can do that, that's a big, big, big deal. If they can do that, and I'd be interested to see how. But you know, proofs in the pudding, as they say. Yeah, my website is, would be screaming two minutes, yo, two minutes from milliseconds. But the proof in the pudding is an English statement. I'm pretty sure it is. And it's probably some sort of pudding made inside the stomach of a goat or something. No, it'd be a sheep, Dan. A sheep. Yeah, a sheep is better. You're right. Good <laughs> yeah, call. Just like, yeah. 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 And by the way, that's good stuff. You've ever had it. Good stuff. No, I have passed on that what unless are, somebody slips some to me. What, we're, talking what, what We're talking oh, about haggis. We're talking about haggis. I've had haggis. I figure that's what we're talking about. It's not my favorite, but I have, I've had had it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only thing I think I liked worse was the uh, tofu, the fermented tofu in China. Okay. Not a big fan. Anyway, so they're two years into this, 40 people, 
a lot of PhDs, going to hire more people, and they will deliver their first commercial product in 2023. Jesse, are you a buyer of that bet or not? No. <laughs> I, I, I might love the website, but please. I think despite my young age, maybe because of my young age, my cynicism meter is at an all-time high. Good. Good. Okay. And Dan, I say no also, just in case you were going to ask. I wasn't Prove even going to ask wrong, you, Henry. Alex. I knew you were. <laughs> I wasn't even going to go there with you, Henry. I mean, come on. Yeah, no. So there you go. Catch of the week, Jesse? Yeah. Well, so wait, Dan. I, I, just need, oh, wait. I just need to tell, I need to tell everybody I didn't have anything for security this week. Not that it was an exploit-free week. But it, it was, was a Henry free week. It was a Henry free week. So all these exploiters are getting a little time off from the furious burning glare of the Henry Newman spotlight. Enjoy it while it lasts. The magnifying glass. Yes. With a million candle power behind it to burn them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you got off light this week, hackers. Next week, he'll be back with both the sound and the fury. This has come to typify Henry S. Newman. So, Jesse, catch of the week? Yes. Yeah, so, keeping with the oddity of the topics that we're talking about, I will preface this by saying I don't really care about sports that much. I like playing them, but when it comes to following them, I, I don't really give a crap. However, the exception to this rule is when it comes to predicting or otherwise attempting to hack sports then I'm interested. So we're talking Moneyball efforts, modeling and simulation, etc. So in this vein, seeing as it is March, the month of basketball, I'm going to introduce to you the Sportline projection model, which has simulated the entirety of the 2022 NCAA tournament 10,000 times. And, and what last does it say? year, well, we'll get to that. Last okay. year, it managed to beat 92% of all the CBS sports brackets, which is pretty impressive. That so, is impressive. That's bet-worthy. Yes. So sadly, and because it's bet-worthy, Sportsline makes you sign up in order to see the complete generated bracket, which I haven't done. But ah. if you genuinely care about college basketball, it might be worth seeing how close the model gets to actual predictions. So while I can't tell you who half these basketball teams actually are, I will say that the computer sports model will always draw my attention for this. Were they, remember seeing, is Gonzaga in there somewhere? Gonzaga was winning some part of it, but I think they're also like the first seed, whatever that means. They are. Sports. So yeah, they do uh, you well. That was the one little snippet that they allowed you to see. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. In my that ideal is... world, we're able to just predict all the sports before they happen, because I think that'd be pretty funny. So no reason to play the game then? Well, you play the game for fun. But then, you know, you take out all of this, like wrapping your personality around a professional sports team business. That's college sports, but okay. The March Madness is college. I know, I know, I know. But that oh, okay. the personality being sports teams does extend beyond that. Super True. Bowl oh, being absolutely. the last oh, yeah, 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 yeah. behind us. Anyway, that's, and that's, my... that's football, Jesse, just in case. I True, yes, I do know that. So that's my hot take opinion. We do have hate podcast or RadioFreeHBC.com. That does exist if you feel the need <laughs> to tell us that I am wrong. <laughs> I don't think you'll get much pushback from this crowd. It's true. You never know. Henry, I'm going to assume no catch of the week since you weren't on the hackers this week. No, it's been a rough week, Dan. 
It's been a rough week here too. My catch of the week is that we've finished another module in the student cluster competition. NASA was completed Saturday night, 11.59 and 59 seconds on Saturday night. And we'll be releasing those results with the next edition of the Winter Classic Studio Update Show. Oh, I do have some news, actually. Not quite out yet, but we have to give a big round of applause to HPE in the form of Justin Hotard. And I'll be releasing this interview probably just before this podcast goes out. They are sponsors of the 2022 Winter Classic Invitational Student Cluster Competition. And Justin pledged $12,000 from HPE to bump up our scholarship fund. So from the 1,000 that Addison and I are putting up for one scholarship for each team, now that's 24,000 as opposed to 12,000. Plus, and get this, Henry, Justin Hotard is putting up six grand of his own money to add another 500 to it. Wow. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Came as a complete surprise while we were recording the studio update episode. He just dropped it on us at the end, and that's really impressive. He really cares about the kids. He does. Does that make you want to open your wallet, Henry? Yes, but not on the air. (laughs) Okay. We'll leave that hanging, and we'll leave uh, you all to take a look at Alice and Bob and see what you make of that, and to go out and marvel over how many diamonds you could make for the cost of actually tearing one apart. So with that in mind, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. God knows why you'd ever listen again, but we'll be here churning out our content. Could not come up with an adjective for that again and again. So thank you for listening. Talk to you soon, and have a good day. Bye-bye. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. Reach out to us on email at podcast at Radio Free HPC or via Twitter at Radio Free HPC. As a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thanks again for listening.